All right, here we go. Jude, tw- Jude chapter 20, verse, verse 20 and 21 uh, says this. I'm actually going to read in verse 17. I'm going to read all the way down to 22. It says, But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, In the last times there will be scoffers, following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, having even the garments stained by the flesh. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Let's pray. Holy Father, God, thanks for this morning. Lord, just thanks for gathering us together at the beginning of the week. Lord, thanks for your word. Lord, thanks for how you work in our lives. And Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit, you would just, just remove every distraction from us. You would just teach us from your word, encourage us from your word. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Some of the most important notes and reminders that I have, and some probably the, some of the most important notes and the reminders that you have are probably on the smallest pieces of paper. Uh, you, you see something important, a quote, you write it down, you put it out there. Uh, very Just little, little sticky notes that kind of inspire you, help you throughout the day, or even your driver's license. Very important little thing that you have to have. Uh, so some of the most important things that we have are little reminders, or very, are very small pieces of a paper in the book of Jude, or the letter of Jude, fits into that category. And if we're not careful, it can be easily overlooked. It's only 24, 25 verses. But we've taken our time through it for the last few weeks. And it's a letter of persuasion by the half-brother of Jesus to a church that he loves, to a people that he loved. And now, towards the end, he's reaching the high point. These verses, 20 through 23, are the, are the high point of his whole persuasion, his whole argument. I mean, he's been writing this little letter to a particular group of people. It doesn't say a particular city, but it's a particular church of people, a group of people who have been are faithful followers of Jesus Christ. And he wanted to write to them about their common salvation. He was excited about that. He didn't want to have to write this letter to them, he said. But he, he wrote it to them, and he realized that there was a present enemy that they were dealing with. They needed to contend for the faith. There was people who had snuck in. Certain people had crept in, and these people were denying the authority of Jesus Christ. They were denying that he was who he says he was, and they were saying, live however you want. Live as sensually, as free as you want, and it doesn't matter. And they were denying the gospel. And Jude says, contend for the faith because amongst you there are these false teachers but he's also addressing for us that same issue but it's also a warning to us uh, of a attitude a problematic attitude if we're not careful we can miss which is practical atheism which is living as if there is no god practical atheism is doing outward means of devotion to God, showing up to church, you know, carrying a Bible around, 
posting some verses on your social media. But inwardly, the central devotion of your life is yourself. But you can look really good because you're doing all the right things outwardly, but inwardly, you're living as if God is largely irrelevant. And it's dangerous. And these people who had crept into the church, some of them knew what they were doing. Some of them fell into this. Jude is warning people that you can fall into this, this denying the gospel, denying the faith. And so he, he warns them, watch out for the false teachers. Watch out for practical atheism. Make sure your life is lining up with the gospel. And so he says, contend for the faith. How do we contend for the faith and combat this creeping of practical atheism or false teaching in our own lives and in a church? And he gives three things here. This is the high point of his argument. He says, build on the correct base, be, be conforming to the correct pace, and be confident in future grace. He says, building, praying, and waiting is what he tells them to do. Jude loves things in threes. And he says, beloved, build yourselves up, pray in the Holy Spirit, and wait for the mercy of God. And they're all connected to the, the, the one major imperative, which is keep yourselves in the love of God. And these are all participles that describe how do you keep yourselves in the love of God by building, by praying, and by waiting. We are kept, it says in verse one, in God's love. To those who are called, beloved in God, the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ at the beginning. And then it says, we are to keep ourselves in God's love. So which one is it? Are we being kept by God or do we keep ourselves in God's love? And it's both. Jude describes this as, this is a relationship. This is a a description of a relationship. That God's keeping us and we keep ourselves in God's love. This isn't described as a dictatorship. This is, God gives us a relationship. It's an encouragement to us. So that if you sense, you say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and you sense a distance from God. And you're just like, I just don't feel like I used to feel with God. I feel farther away. If you sense a distance from God, God has not moved. We have probably moved. He, he keeps us. And then we're to keep ourselves in the love of God. So if you sense that, then be like the young prophet in Second Kings 6 they were with Elisha, and they're out working, and he's, they're building some homes from themselves, and he chops down this tree, and as he chops down this tree, the axe fell, head falls off, goes into the water, and he says it was a borrowed axe, and Elisha comes up to him and says, where, where did it fall? And he says, show me where it fell, and he went back to where it was at, and Elisha made the axe head rise up from the water. If you feel distant from God, God hasn't moved. But we are to build ourselves up, so, so go back. Go back to the last spot. Go back to that point in your life, six months ago, three months ago, two weeks ago, where you, know, you knew and sensed the presence of God. What changed? What's different now? Go back. Because he says in verse 26, but you, beloved, build yourselves up. Three times he uses the word beloved. Never get over the word beloved. 
Because this is a letter of persuasion. But when, he, when he's saying, this is what I want you to do now, he, he goes back to the word beloved or loved. Listen, you loved people. That's the tone and the affection that God has for us when he instructs us and corrects us. He's not yelling at us. He's a loving father who, who constantly just says, you, you beloved, you, you beloved, listen. If you, if you want to avoid disaster, then build yourselves up. Build on the correct base. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. Building yourselves up, which is the foundation of the gospel. That's the foundation. The base of it is the, the gospel. All through the, New, the Bible, it talks about building as just construction. Ephesians chapter 2 Verse 20, it says, Build on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. This is what Jude is saying. He's saying, the I, I, we gave you the foundation, which is this great common salvation, which is Jesus loves you. He, God came for you, died on the cross, and he rose again, and your life can be changed because of that. So build on that correct base. That's the foundation. And then let it grow. It's very clear what we're supposed to do. What, some people will say, what, what should I do as a follower of Jesus Christ? What am I supposed to do? And Jude says what you're supposed to do, God says what we're supposed to do, is build yourselves up, which is collective. Build yourselves up. Build up the church. Build each other up on your most holy faith. It's very clear. It's very collective. It's you. It's a corporate you. This isn't just you sitting alone in your bedroom or in your living room, your favorite chair, getting close to God. This is building each other up in, in a corporate sense. Gene Green said, community is the soil where faith grows. This is what often people need. We need people to walk up to us and say, hey, I, I see you're struggling. And, and I, I see, hey, I've seen growth in your life. I've seen spiritual growth in life. I see a difference in you. You need people. We need people to say that to us. And that's what Jude is saying. Build yourselves up on the gospel and on your foundation. And then it's clear. That's what we're called to do collectively, all of us. And we're supposed to do it constantly. And it's a commitment. It's not just a faith. Not just a bunch of things that we say, this is what I believe. Build yourselves up on your most holy faith is not just a list of beliefs that you can write out on a piece of paper and put on the wall. Building yourselves up on your most holy faith is something, it's action. It's something you are, you've committed your life to. You have seen who Jesus is and who you are, and you said, I don't want to keep going the way I'm going, and I want Jesus to be in control of my life. And it's a commitment to a holy faith that's distinct from us. The only way you would know the gospel, the only way we would know Jesus is if God didn't, he came to us. He told us, he revealed it to us. It's, it's not something we would have come up with. But it is our faith. So he says, build on the correct base. It's, it's a commitment. People will say often, and maybe you are, say, you know, that's right, Paul. That, I, I should do that. I should be more intentional in my faith. I might do that. That's, that's, I should, I should, that's a good thing I will do. But they never do. 
the New Testament and the scriptures filled with people who didn't say I might or I should build myself up, but they said I, I will do it. Daniel said I will trust God, even in a lion's den, and he did. Ruth said I'm going to trust God, I'm going to stay with Naomi, and she did. Joseph said, I'm going to trust God when everybody else in my family has abandoned me. When everything else seems like the world is not the way it's supposed to be, this is not the life I wanted, I will still trust God, and he did. Hannah, she prayed, God, this is, I want children. And God didn't seem to give it to her. She prayed and she prayed and she trusted God. And all of those people, if they would have just said, well, I, I should do that, I should trust God, or I might trust God, we wouldn't know them. But they are people who said, I will. I will build myself up on our most holy faith. I will trust God. And real people, just like us, went through unbelievable difficulties, and God was faithful all the way through. And Jude's saying, build your life on the correct base. Build your life on the gospel, and we need help to do it. In, in your bulletin, I put out a list of just some books that are just classic books. Some of them are classic. Some of them I have, I'm working through now. So I would just encourage you, to, how are you going to build your life up on them? To, to pick one. And Knowing God by J.I. Packer, his chapter on Romans 8 is, is worth the entire book. These are books that have influenced other Christian leaders, other, Christ, other Christian um, people. If you're new to the faith, you're not really sure what is a Christian uh, read Tim Keller's book, The Prodigal God, or The Walk, Steps for New and Renewed Followers of Jesus. You know, you say, I, I could do that. I might do that. All of these books you can get read to you as you drive to work. You can get them on Audible. They can, you can have them, somebody read to them. You're like, I should do that. I might do that. But this is how we grow. We spend time building ourselves on our most holy faith together and say, hey, take one of these books with somebody and say, hey, Let's read The Pursuit of God together. Now you read a couple of verse chapters, we'll get together. And you build each other up on our most holy faith. This is how we get strong. This is how we grow. We understand this with exercise. It's the repetitive process of going through them over and over again. First Timothy 4.8 says, For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And Jude's saying, if you want to protect yourself, if you want to make sure your faith is real and genuine, then build your life on the holy faith, not with just I shoulds, or I might get more into the Bible the rest of this year, but I will, and actively build it together with other people collectively, which is why we gather. This is what we... Do. And then he says, secondly, praying in the Holy Spirit. Or be, com be conforming to the correct pace, is how I would say it. What Jude is calling these people to, and what he's calling us to, he's calling us back to the basics scripture and prayer. This church, these people that are in great, have all these people sneaking in, trying to distract them from the faith, and Jude's call to them at the highest point of his letter is, hey, get together, grow in your faith, and pray in the Spirit. Ephesians 6, 8 says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And here's the reality. 
If we're honest, when it says he, uh, praying in the Spirit, the reality is praying is difficult. It's not, it's not easy to pray. Hudson Taylor was a missionary to China for, for years. He, he went, into, the, he went to, into China and was one of the founders of the inside of China, taking people in, getting missionaries in there. A, a great saint of God, and, and, saint, and he would say, he, he would say, Satan is always finding you something to do when it comes to prayer. Satan's always finding you something to do. It, it's if it's only arranging a window blind. And I could see this. Saint of God sitting there, all these missionaries, wanting to pray, sits down, and he looks up, and the, the wind's hitting him, the, the, the light in the, in the window's hitting him in the wrong way, and so he just adjusts the blind, and he has to adjust that blind, and he knocks some dust around, and he got to sweep that up, and then it's time to go. Satan does that to us all the time with prayer. We, we, you sit down, I, I'll pray. I'll get together and pray. I'll show up on Wednesday this week. Um, something comes up, and it's good things. Satan's always going to find you something to do. So it's, it's difficult to pray. There's always distractions. There are always different directions. But we have to determine, that's what he's saying, pray in the Spirit. Come and pray. And here's the part of praying in the Spirit is we, we don't know what the Holy Spirit always wants us to do, which is what makes prayer even more difficult. We, we think sometimes the Holy Spirit is a, not a real person, not a real being. When we're called to pray in the Spirit, this is a relationship with a real individual, the, the, second, the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. So maybe we need to repent and say, Holy Spirit, help me to know how to pray. You lead me in how I pray and recognize the Spirit as we pray and respond to Him. Because it won't always look the way you think it's going to look. For the last month and a half, two months, Craig Mann, Jerry Mann, uh, Jerry Latsky, we've been going down to Chicago. I've gone a couple times to Roseland Community to help out with Pearl Willis and Miss Pearl, her, her, her daycare. She's been running for 20 years, and, and they have finished this bedroom for her, for a family that's hopefully to get moved in shortly. But Pearl was not a Christian, grew up in a in her teens and her 20s, unbelievably wild life. Was radically saved. And she stayed in Roseland. Well, Roseland community right now has over 804 violent crimes happen a year in this little community, south southern part of Chicago. And she runs this daycare with 50 to 60 kids, and she's done it for 20 years and when she first moved into the neighborhood with her daughter, there was just gangbangers everywhere. And they were just driving her crazy, constantly driving her crazy. Shootings, all kinds of... I mean, there's just a complete mess. Her whole, her whole street, even now, half of them is empty, abandoned homes with, with drug dealers. Just, but they were just driving her crazy, and she didn't know what to do. She was thinking about leaving, and she was, they were just causing all kinds of problems. She almost couldn't take it anymore. And so she prayed. And the Holy Spirit told her, take them, it was around November, take them Thanksgiving meal. She didn't want to do that. She was tired of being annoyed by these, these gangbangers. And so she says, okay, so she does. She takes them this Thanksgiving meal, drops it off, and they said, what's this for? And her response was, because God called me to do it. And she left. 
I wasn't too happy about it. She, the next couple days, she'd been begging them to be quiet, and they wouldn't be quiet. And then all of a sudden, some noise came up next couple days afterward, and all of a sudden she heard, shh, shh, and calm down. Don't mess with Miss Pearl. And for 20 years now, she has been in the Roseland neighborhood and has seen radically, radically changed lives by this daycare. She's had grown men who are sleeping with their girlfriends, and their girlfriends become Christians. And then her girl, the, the, they, then she shows them what the Bible says about sex before marriage. And they won't sleep with their boyfriends anymore. And these gangbanging tough guys come to Miss Pearl and say, "What are you teaching my girlfriend?" And she'll show them what the Bible says, and they'll say, "Okay." And they become Christians because she's prayed in the Spirit. She responded to what the Holy Spirit had him do. She was conformed to the correct pace. Isn't that what she wanted to do? That's not how she wanted to respond to the situation, but that's how she responded to the situation because she prayed in the Spirit and she followed what the Spirit would have her do. It's probably not going to look like what you think it's going to look like. There's about 50 days left to 2019. And I don't know where you are at spiritually. I don't know if you feel as connected, as close as you should. You might need to build yourself up for the next 40 days. And you might need to be praying in the Holy Spirit and do that. But just know it might not look like 50 days from now what you think it's going to look like. It might be a completely different thing, but Jude says, pray in the Spirit and then be confident of future grace. He says, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. That's confidence. Be confident in future Grace, that's hope. That's what Romans 5 talks about. The difficulties lead to hope. It's we wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have not yet received all the mercy that we're going to get as Christians yet. We're still waiting for that. We, we are in, but, it's, but we, we have this. What we have for is absolute hope. As you go through the rest of this week, the rest of this year, you, you can be absolutely confident that if you build yourself up, if you pray in the Spirit, that the future grace of God is available and ready there for you and will be there for you for all the way into eternity because our conviction is been overturned. We have mercy now. When God sees us, he doesn't see us as guilty sinners if you're in Christ. He sees you as a beloved child of God. You have his unbelievable love and mercy. Your conviction is overturned. On November 4th of this year, Oklahoma released 450 prisoners early. They commuted all their sentences. These minor drug charges. They're free. They woke up on November 3rd under conviction with long terms. They woke up November 4th. They said, you're free to go. 450 people walked out free. That's what we are in Christ. We are absolutely free. Our conviction is overturned. That's hope, and it continues for us with great confidence. It leads to eternal life. We don't have to worry if we're in Christ. 
We're, we're, we're called to look for it. We're waiting. A couple of weeks ago, I got invited, Teresa and I, to a, to a, 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 a play. And we didn't have to buy the tickets. We just had to show up. And we knew we were going. But the whole time, I never once wondered, am I going to get in? <laughs> am I going to get in? What, where's the tickets? Which is normally what I do when I have to have tickets. If I go to the airport, I check tickets over hundreds of times. It drives Teresa crazy. I'm constantly, where's the tickets? Where's the tickets? But I trusted the people who had the tickets. And because they had the tickets, I, I just had to go. I just showed up, and when I got there, they handed me a ticket. I handed it to them. I got in and saw the show. I waited with hope. Not because I deserved free tickets, because these people were very merciful to give me free tickets. And that's what he's saying. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. That gives us unbelievable confidence to continue in the faith. When it's difficult this week, we continue in the faith. We're, we're confident future grace is going to be available for us. So we wait knowing that we have this unbelievable mercy for God that leads all the way to eternal life. That's what we have. That's how we keep building ourselves up. That's how we keep praying in this, this Holy Spirit. That's how we keep being confident in His mercy. That's how we grow. And that's how God will use us. H.C. Morrison was a missionary for years in China. He was old and time to come home. So we got in a boat back when President Teddy Roosevelt was the president and gets on this boat Teddy Roosevelt, the president, is on the same boat with him, and he'd just been on a safari to Africa, and H.C. Morrison pulls in. They pull into New York Harbor, and there's a ton of people out waiting for the president. I mean, they're celebrating him, cheering him on. They're glad to see him back, welcoming him back to America, and nobody was there to see H.C. Morrison. And for a moment, H.C. Morrison wrote later in life, he said, I... I I was starting to feel sorry for myself. Here I've served for years in the mission field and nobody shows up to welcome me home. And then he said, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and he said, H.C., you're not home yet. We aren't home yet. But as believers, if we want to grow, we need to be built on the correct base. We need to be conforming to the correct pace. And pray in the Holy Spirit, we need to be confident that we have future grace. Richard Max Baxter, a great pastor, said, Because of this, up and be doing. Run, strive and fight and hold on, for thou hast a certain glorious prize before thee. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit and wait with hope, because we're not home yet and God will greatly use us.
Sweet Jesus